guys, welcome back to Mike Jiggers with Dan and Emily. We're going to start off with some exciting and what the fuck news, and then we're going to talk about our favorite movie scenes, some Disney theories, and Urban Dictionary. I'm looking forward to it, although I hear you have a story about Bronx. So right before we started recording today, I went and took Scotty out to go to the bathroom. We were outside maybe five minutes, came back in. I just happen to turn my head and there's my fucking cat with a fucking mouse on the floor dead like very recently dead like i'm pretty sure he just caught it and killed it there was no (laughs) blood but it was wet on the floor i'm like what (laughs) the fuck i'm sitting here scotty's excited because i'm getting upset with bronx so she's excited she's trying to sniff it i'm trying to keep her away from it i'm trying to keep bronx going back after it even though it's dead on the ground. So it's sitting in the trash can. Why were you mad at him? You should have been proud. I'm proud of him, but I was mad that he kept trying to go back for it. Like, it's dead. You don't need to do anything with it. So I'm throwing him. I'm pushing her back. And I'm like, get on the stairs. And I pushed him down the... (laughs) This one's bad. I pushed him down the stairs and he he trotted down them. But (laughs) I was just like... <laughs> I all I want to do was take Scotty out and then get ready for this. What the fuck? He's just a proud hunter trying to show his mom his new catch. I am proud of him. I am very proud of him because that saves us from having to. I mean, we have to clean it up, but like that saves us from having to go dig out traps. Yeah. So, I mean, we haven't really had a problem. He just keeps finding them. Way to go, Brox. Proud of you, but also absolutely fucking disgusted. So, we got any other exciting news to start the show off today? Okay, so Disney Plus was launched this week. I was super excited until I couldn't watch it. Which has been a problem for a lot of people. Yeah, it was a messy launch day. They have had all sorts of connectivity issues. Disney's only real statement on the matter is that they had, there was more demand for the service than they expected, which. What? Why have you been advertising so heavily for it? Mm-hmm. And it's continuing. It's been getting better. I know several people have been able to watch. If you go online and look at outage maps for Disney Plus, it's not pretty. I'm one of the people that just can't get in at all. I see. I got signed in, but I didn't ever try and watch anything. I can sign in. It just tells me service is unavailable. That's weird. The only thing I've been able to do is one night I was able to get in to watch stuff on my phone and stream it to my TV, which The Mandalorian is amazing, but I'm really looking forward to them actually getting it working. Mm-hmm. You would think if anybody has the resources. And the money. Yeah, the money to make sure that everything goes off without a hitch and there's enough servers to cover any amount of traffic, it'd be Disney, but I guess not. I guess not. It's disappointing, but it'll get better. It's just one of those things we got to wait out. Apparently, even now, the customer service, it's like a four-hour hold time to get to talk to anybody. It's just not even worth being on the phone. I've been following forums, seeing if anybody's having any luck, and it's four or six hours of waiting on hold. Who has that kind of time to just wait on hold for six hours? Some stay-at-home moms. That's some dedication. Or dads. I, I got to applaud these people. I I think it's a waste of time to stay on hold that long, but I know what I would What are they going to tell out. you? Yeah. Well, apparently a lot of them were just being told, you just got to wait it out. This is They an probably didn't issue. really even know. They were probably expecting like, oh, we've got this down. And then there probably was an at the end error that happened. Mm-hmm. That can happen to anybody. I want to try and I don't want to say like any excuses for them, but- when you're launching a service, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I know I've gotten at least one patch. It still hasn't fixed whatever the problem is. This is going off of just forum posts because Disney's not being very communicative about this issue. It seems like a lot of the issue is people that pre-ordered for whatever reason. It's difficult for us to get into our accounts. Some people prepaid for three years and can't get into their accounts. I would be livid. Yeah. I mean, I paid for one year, but three years is so much more. We're just paying month to month, but I'm thinking on doing the um, Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. If you have Hulu already, Mm -hmm. 
which we do. We pay the $12 and it's no commercial. Right. It's that plus like $5 or whatever. And you get all three of them. Yeah, it's a good price. And I could never watch Hulu with commercials. I've tried it. They put commercials in the weirdest places. They don't even put them in the natural commercial breaks. Uh, The only other exciting thing I had was the return of Rick and Morty. I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet because I don't have real TV. I'll be honest. I only watched it because a friend would not stop talking about it. Yeah. I went into it not really feeling it. I was kind of watching it out of obligation. Was it good? It was pretty good. Yeah. Good. I have, I'm going to have to check because since I have Hulu, Rick and Morty does is posted on Hulu, but I don't know if they're doing the next day posting like some shows do. So I haven't even looked on there yet. Yeah, I watched it on Amazon. I just bought the episode. It was it was pretty funny. It was, good. I was expecting it to be a letdown. I was kind of the same way with season three. They had good episodes, but it wasn't their best. Well, it's just these long waits between seasons. Mm -hmm. I just kind of get over Rick and Morty. I go from, I can't wait for more episodes to, eh, I've lived without it. Hopefully, though, I don't want to push them because I know they want to make the best that they can, but I hope they start busting out some good seasons. Yeah, this one... It was a pretty good episode. I won't spoil it for you, but it was good. pretty funny. The only other thing that I had was the Midwest got hit with some heavy snow this week, and it was fucking awesome. I love snow. I love winter. I love snow. And where we live, we got about two and a half inches. Yeah. I like snow. And what's really great about this winter. You have a car that will work in the snow? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, both you and I have upgraded <laughs> our vehicles in the last year, so... We should have more luck in the snow. I proudly own a Jeep, which for years I have always wanted to own a Jeep. And it's a um, a four-wheel drive and it's got a snow mode. But like the settings aren't just labeled four-wheel. It's snow and then uh, sport and something else. And so that snow mode really came in handy for a couple days. You ready to move on to some what the fuck news? Mine's not really what the fuck. It's more of a what is going on. Okay. Nick Cage is playing Nick Cage in a movie about Nick Cage. Did you see that? I saw it, yeah. I didn't look too deep into it, but yeah, I saw it. I didn't either, but I was just like, this is definitely a Nicolas Cage fucking thing he would do. (laughs) I don't know if it's actually true or not. I didn't read into it. But I saw it, and I'm like, I, ha- I had to write it down. I'm going to have to share on Facebook. There's a college humor sketch that's basically from the point of view of Nicolas Cage's agent. And it makes fun of how <laughs> hit and miss Nicolas Cage is. Like, he'll just take any movie anybody pitches him so he can make great movies, and then he can make the shittiest movie <laughs> Also, guys, if you're absolutely interested to watch your Nick Cage movies, you can get that Nick Cage pillow off of Amazon. (laughs) I'd forgotten about that. (laughs) I just thought of it. A little callback to our earlier episode, Shut Up and Take My Money. Shut Up and Take My Fucking Money, (laughs) Nick Cage. (laughs) But yeah, this skit is great. People are going to have to check it out on our Facebook page. It's I know one of the movies that gets pitched to him is an all-action remake of Schindler's List called Schindler's Fist. So terrible. You got anything else to say about Nicolas Cage? No, there (laughs) isn't much you can say. I have, this is one of those news stories, it's sketchy. We'll just assume it's true. It's reporting on somebody else's Facebook post. It could be hoax, could be real. Okay. Headline, homophobe refuses knee surgery for mom. Over fear, the knee will be gay. The fuck does that mean? Let me read their Facebook post, because they ranted on Facebook and one of their friends screenshotted it. Perfect. Fuck the doctors of blank hospital. Some of you know, but for those who don't, my mom needs a knee transplant. She's been using a cane, spelled K-A-I-N. Oh, like the name. (laughs) Yeah. For two years now. 
and had a fall in September at McDonald's while ordering her breakfast. We rushed her to the doctor who had her knee x-rayed, and with tears in his eyes, he informed us she needed a knee transplant. With tears in his eyes. Yeah. It's such a tragic diagnosis. Nobody ever has to have, have a, a knee, knee replacement. Transplant. Yeah. This serious surgery has cut to the core of our family. Mm-hmm. And we can't see this family moving forward without her because she's going to die if she doesn't get a knee transplant. So did the fall happen two years ago and she's been walking with a cane since? There's so many unanswered questions. I think she had the cane first and then she had a fall and that exacerbated it. Anyway, it goes on. Perfect. Please go. We told the doctor that under no situation would we allow the knee of a gay trans homo or a lesbian be put into mom's body. They can't tell you anyways. Which, what is a trans homo? Is that somebody that's transitioning from straight to gay? I don't know. It's not a thing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, there's so much to unpack with this, but moving on with their post. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you know what the doctor did? He laughed. Yeah, I would too. He told us that there was no way they could ever discriminate between sexual likes when it came to using body parts. Then he lied to us and told us they would use an artificial part. So this person posted this on Facebook, just worried about what they were going to do because their mom might get a gay knee. And then the doctor tried to smooth it over by lying and say they could make it a fake knee. Okay. So the friend, well, friend in quotations because... (laughs) <laughs> they outed them for being an idiot online. Perfect. They posted this. And then I guess the lady that posted this, who is apparently in her 60s and very religious, found out that it went viral. So then she got super pissed and updated people and said, yeah, this it's is just digging herself yeah. a bigger fucking hole. Yeah. She wanted people to know, like, she was serious. Like, her mom cannot have a gay knee. <laughs> So See, to, doctors cannot even tell you like it's a strict confidentiality rule. Like I can't tell you what body this came out of. And it's not going to make your mom gay if she gets a gay knee. The knee is not gay. But anyway. Hey. So her follow up post. Okay. We have declined the surgery. We cannot risk mom getting a body part from a gay lesbian. We are seeking out. <laughs> yeah. Fuck her. She don't need to walk. <laughs> A a gay lesbian. That's redundant. Yeah. We are seeking out the opinion of several other doctors and the advice of our priest. What has this world come to? Yeah, for real. What has this world come to with you in it? This is one of the ways trans homo and homosexuals are spreading. We will not be subject to this. If anyone knows a doctor in Blank County, please let us know. And then the first comment from one of her friends. Hey, Blank. Amongst the myriad of things wrong here, I just wanted to say that knee replacements do indeed use artificial parts. My father had both his knees replaced. Your mom will be fine. This person is convinced that not only can they get a fake knee to put in there, but a real knee will make her mom gay. Which, keep in mind, this lady posting this is in her 60s, supposedly. So Knee replacements have been around quite some time since then. And her mom's, what, probably 80 at least. So does she really need it? She probably doesn't need how active. I mean, I know there's if people it was in their the age mom, that are pretty active. If, but. if the mom was in her 60s and the daughter was younger, then I could see it, her needing the replacement. Yeah. God, what the fuck? And knee surgery, knee replacement. It's my understanding that's a pretty rough surgery to come back from. Well, I've had knee surgery. Well, n- not knee replacement. Okay, I've still had knee surgery, and for my listeners, I had my ECL repaired last October, and it was over six months of recovery, and even now, I'm still feeling effects of it, and I'm going to feel effects of it for the rest of my life, and I'm 24, and it's it's hard to come back from even being young and active. I don't know if... It would necessarily be the right thing for someone, at least in their 80s. Definitely. My, Some rough rehab. My doctor even told me, the guy that did my surgery, he said, 
that at my age and being active, I had to have it done if I ever wanted to be active again. Yeah. He said that somebody that's over their 40s and 50s, he would tell, he said he would tell them, we can do it, but you're going to have more issues than anything with it because of, you know, the effects of surgery. There's just so much wrong with this person. I just, yeah, it speaks for itself. It's all kinds of ignorance. See, you put friend in quotations. This person needs this friend to call them out on their bullshit. Sometimes you need people to set you straight. Even if it's just something weird, like you have a weird understanding of something and it's not quite how things work. This uh, person has yeah. no understanding. A, a good friend should set you straight on that. I don't think it's going to help this lady. She's Kudos for that entrenched. friend to make this go viral because we all needed a good laugh. Did you have any other headline? Nope. Okay. Here is a really lighthearted headline. Okay. Cat placed in solitary confinement for repeatedly breaking feline friends out of shelter. I saw this. Did you watch the video of him screaming no. and pa- So they posted a video of him later that day being in solitary. Yeah. And he's screaming at the window and doing like little paw motions at the window. Yeah. So the story, a mischievous cat named Quilty. Love that name. Has earned internet fame for repeatedly breaking himself out of his enclosure at a Texas animal shelter. But he doesn't just escape. He brings all of his feline friends along with him. What a good boy. Yeah. The Friends for Life Animal Shelter of Houston posted on their Facebook page about Quilty. Quote, Quilty will not be contained and he has no shame. Quilty loves to let cats out of the senior room repeatedly several times a day. So they just banished him to the lobby. This is a smart-ass cat. I just love that. I love cats and dogs, but I love cats. And that's one of the things I love about them is how mischievous they can be. We'll, ha- we'll definitely have to post this because this is a cute-ass cat. He is absolutely, I would let him break out my friends. <laughs> I don't know if Bronx would. He might be intelligent enough. I don't know. Bronx knows how to open doors. I think he's too much of a dick to help other cats. He would he would be the one to escape and then he'd be like, fuck you guys. Okay. But yeah, that's all I had to say on that. I just thought it was a cute little funny story about mischievous cat. I fucking love cats. So are you ready to talk about our favorite movie scenes? Yeah. I wouldn't quite say they're necessarily my favorite. They are movie scenes I love. Mine actually come from my two favorite movies though, so. Okay. Why don't you start us off? So my absolute all-time favorite movie is Sweeney Todd. Couldn't tell you why, but it is. I fucking love this movie. And one of my favorite parts of the movie is when he gets to Miss Lovett's bakery, which is the basement of his former shop, spoiler, he finds his old knives because he is a barber. And I just love the scene because it's a musical and Johnny Depp has a hella good voice. And him singing to the knives because they are his extension. (laughs) And literally, it's his tool. And the song he sings is just is awesome. And it's one of my absolute favorite scenes in that movie. Yeah, you sent it to me. I've never seen this movie. That's a shame. I appreciate the razors. They're gorgeous. I love shaving, but I could never use a razor like that. They're called cutthroat razors for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're you got to be really careful with those; they can go south real quick. Yeah, this movie—I mean, for those who don't know, this movie takes place back in the 1800s, and so straight razors were the only form of shaving. And oh, these razors in the movie are immaculate. Just they're, they're beautiful, very, very yeah. simple, but they're very beautifully designed. And the lighting in the movie is very dark, but when he pulls these out, they're glistening. Yes, those are beautiful blades. <sighs> the song's going through my head. <laughs> uh, you ready for yours? Yeah, my first one: Marvel Geek, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, elevator fight scene. I love it because it's got a build to it. It's just, you know, Cap's, Cap is getting into this elevator. He's not expecting anything out of the ordinary. It's just an elevator ride. And then it keeps stopping and more and more people get in. And he starts observing them and they're sweating, showing signs of stress for no reason. Like there's no reason to be nervous when you're in an elevator. And then they, the last stop, three big bulky guys get in and... 
he just has this realization. It's unspoken. You just see him putting the pieces together. Some shit's about to go down, and he just owns it. The doors close. There's a moment of silence, and he says to everybody in the elevator, before we get started, does anybody want to get out? And then the fight ensues, and it's a brawl in this small elevator. And then it just ends perfectly where the last guy, kind of a friend, colleague at work, tells him, hey, I just want you to know this isn't personal. And then Cap knocks him out and says, kind of feels personal. It's just a great scene. It's, it is a good fight scene. It's a slow build. The fight scene itself is so quick, but it's just... It definitely was a part of the movie that we didn't expect. It shows you he's not just strong. He's smart. He sees all of this happening. He's observant. It's just probably my favorite fight scene in all the Marvel movies, and that's probably my favorite Marvel movie. So, yeah, that's everything I love about that. So my other all-time favorite movie is Silence of the Lambs, and on a psychological level, because I'm deeply invested in that kind of stuff, one of my favorite scenes, two-parter, woohoo! One of my favorite scenes is the first scene where Clarice meets Hannibal Lecter in the prison, and it's the basement, kind of solitary almost, part of the prison, and the worst of the worst is down there and it's dark and they're animals down mm. there and it is kind of graphic a little bit and some choice words are said to Clarice and that bothers me every time I hear it. Well, and you saying they're like animals, it is almost like a zoo, like the way it's set up with their cells, it's almost like they're on display. Kind of. And she sits down because he's very he's fucking brilliant and it's kind of morbid but Hannibal Lecter is just it's hard to describe how much I love him he's a fucking mad genius <laughs> but she sits down with him and she's discussing the case of Buffalo Bill and these missing women and the way he answers her questions but also beats around them to try and pull information to get to know her is very just really cool and then of course my favorite part is when he i i can't even replicate how anthony hopkins does it but i i love that and i don't know why and when i first showed this movie to one of my best friends i did that to her she goes you gotta fucking stop that <laughs> and i do it to her over and like not over and over but like when i see her i'll do it to her she goes can you please stop doing that i'm like no i'm pretty sure you've done it to me just randomly without any <laughs> reference to the movie i fucking love it i don't know why and you know she leaves and then the the prisoners get rowdy just get rowdy and then she comes running back to him because he's got more information and then she gets out of there yeah that's a brilliant scene it's a great scene for him because it's there's so much going on that's not being said there of he's sizing her up and she's kind of fighting back. Like she sees it. She's not quite rising up to the occasion, but she's she's trying to give a little back. That's a great, it's almost like a verbal dance between them and he has the upper hand, but. And the fact that he already knows more about her than she'll ever know about him mm -hmm. is really awesome too in the movie. And you see him, it's like he's trying to decide whether she's worth his time, but also seeing whether he can manipulate her. There's a lot going on with him in that scene. It's, yeah. That's why I love Hannibal good. Lecter so much. Would you like to do yours or? My other one is from Goodwill Hunting. And people might remember it as the it's not your fault scene. Matt Damon's character in this movie is telling his therapist, Robin Williams, about his foster father who used to abuse him and make him choose how he'd put a wrench, a stick, and a belt on a table and make him choose what he was going to get beat with. And Robin Williams says, well, that's easy choice. I'd go with the belt. And Matt Damon says, no, I always went with the wrench. Why? That's a horrible decision because fuck him. That's why. There's so much going on in that scene. When you think about the character and like the levels to that it's a great scene in general because it progresses to matt damon actually having an emotional 
break through and break down in the scene. That's really, really powerful. But just that short story, there's, it's a badass quote to begin with, just because fuck him, that's why. Yeah, he's going to beat me, but I'm not going to show fear. And then you can go deeper and say, wow, this kid is so traumatized and angry that he's going to act against his own best interests just to stick it to the person who's abusing him. Then it just, it goes even deeper of just how broken this character is when he does finally start crying and it's, yeah, it's heartbreaking and amusing at the same time. It's such a great scene and a great movie. I miss Robin Williams because he's funny in this movie, but he's also so good at the dramatic part of it and showing he's this character that's listening to this person with pain and you know i don't really want to go into it too much but i'm someone that struggles with emotional issues and depression so i can relate to the therapy part of it and the breakdown it's, there's just so much to love about that scene and i miss robin williams <laughs> I've actually never seen this movie, and that's going to shock a lot of people, but I, I don't know why I've never watched it. But to me, coming from the outside of not seeing it, it also shows like men can be abused too. Mm. It's not just a woman-based um, scenario. And I know that's not how the movie goes, but like a strong-looking young man was physically abused. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter which side you're on. It can happen. Yeah, it's a very powerful movie. You should watch it. And as far as Robin Williams movies, he's so well remembered for his comedy. But drama, that movie, Dead Poet Society, Patch Adams is a funny movie. But it's also got some heavy dramatic scenes for him. We lost so much. Mm -hmm, we did. And you know, there's a case of somebody who had their own pain and couldn't handle it and the world's worse off without him now that he's gone mm -hmm. uh, what's your last scene so part two of silence of the lambs is um kind of middle near the end ish there's a scene where hannibal lecter is being transported and he's essentially in a prisoner's cage inside this almost museum-like area and he is being, he's getting food, I believe. They have to lock him. So he sit, has to sit on the ground. They have to handcuff him on the outside of the cage while they come in, bring the food, and then they leave. But he gets a pen or paper clip and actually gets out of his cuffs and attacks the two prison guards in the cell with him. And in Hannibal Lecter style eats part of one's face. There's several other police in this building. So before they can get to them, it seems like it took like a while before the emergency call was made. Hannibal Lecter has disappeared. They're trying to find him. Well, they find the police guards. One's dead. The other one is severely injured with horrible, horrible face trauma. Mm -hmm. They're trying to find him. They're trying to find him. And they get into the elevator and they start seeing blood drip down from the top. And they scope down from one of the upper floors and they see Hannibal Lecter dead on the top of the elevator. When they open up the top cage, it's the dead prison guard with his face ripped off. And Hannibal Lecter is in a stretcher in an ambulance with the dead guard's face on him. That's really dark genius. He's he's so meticulous. And you know that if somebody's face is that screwed up, people aren't going to want to look at it. Mm -mm. So they're just going to think, okay, yeah, he's our friend here. He's, he's pretty screwed up. We're just going to put him in the ambulance and somebody else can figure out what's going on with that mess on his face. And I think it's just when they realize it, the scene when he's in the ambulance, they bandaged his face kind of, and he sits up and just pulls it off and then attacks the people in the um, bus. That's all I have on that. Okay. So in honor of Disney being released, even though I haven't been able to watch it at all, 
for I guess I did get to watch it a little. Get your shit together, Disney. Yes. But uh I thought we could do some insane Disney conspiracy theories. Okay. Which was kind of inspired by I was watching the Aladdin remake and it reminded me of this theory that Aladdin is set in a post-apocalyptic wasteland and that's why the genie has all these pop culture references. Because it's like 3,000 years into the future. Well, like 10,000 because he's been- Yeah, he says he's been in the land for 10,000 years, but he knows about Jack Nicholson. Yeah. So that got me thinking, what other weird theories are out there? Would you like to start us off? Yeah. My first one, Ariel's mom was murdered by Captain Hook. Oh my gosh, I did see that one. I was prepared to say this is people really reaching. There's mermaids in Peter Pan. One of them has red hair and kind of looks like Ariel. That... When I heard that portion of the theory, I was like, okay, I mean, there's the Disney way of drawing women. There's not that much variation. Yeah. Until you get into the newer ones where you have more ethnicities. There's a pretty standard way of drawing women back at the time of Peter Pan. Your differentiation- What year was Peter Pan released? Was it before The Little Mermaid? Way before Little Mermaid. Because Little Mermaid came out in 89. Yeah. So I was willing to say- It could be any character. The only difference is the red hair. But then I heard about this prequel movie they made in the late 2000s where it's revealed that Ariel's mom was killed by pirates in her youth. I'm like, okay, that's I can see that now. And then you go back and look at Peter Pan and yeah, maybe I don't know if that was the intent when they made Because isn't it? Um, the the mermaid is on Captain Hook's ship. No, this mermaid is actually alive in Peter Pan. Okay, but yeah, then it turned into this whole weird theory that so Ariel is the daughter of this mermaid in Peter Pan, but the kingdom that Ariel went to rule is the same kingdom that Cinderella ruled. It's this whole weird convoluted theory of like lineage Ooh, i love disney deep dives though i felt like i was going down a flat earth deep dive it was <laughs> i got lost in this it's and the evidence was all just well this character looks like this character in the background and it was driving me insane because again especially in early disney there's a way characters are drawn that are n- very similar to each yeah. other Old people are gonna look like the same old person. Just but yeah, it was a deep dive. <laughs> What's your first one? So, weirdly enough, I also have a Peter Pan one. Okay. Peter Pan is actually the angel of death. And it goes because he has all of these lost boys who never grow up and they sing a song about never growing up and I've actually known about this theory for a long time, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of fucked me up because, I mean, I liked Peter Pan, and we're also doing a Peter Pan ballet. Oh. So, yeah, but the Lost Boys are actually, quote unquote, dead. They're lost souls, but he's leading them to Neverland, which is the afterlife. But, like, Peter Pan's been around a long time. Yeah. And Captain Hook was supposedly a spirit that got away, and it's kind of like he's a vengeful spirit, but a lot of people kind of stem the Peter Pan angel thing is the author, J.M. Barry, had a brother who died at the age 13, and this was kind of his way to write about the trauma. Did you hear that he left the rights to Peter Pan to a children's hospital? Oh, God. Yeah. No, I did not. I think I read that he actually would go and read to the sick kids. But what but like, kind of a- shit afterlife is this where, yeah, you get to go to Neverland and never grow up, but you have to deal with pirates. I mean, kids out there play pirates all the time, though. Yeah, but these pirates are trying to kill them. True. Which, if you couple that with mine, Ariel's poor mom was murdered by pirates, and then she has to spend the rest of her afterlife being harassed by pirates. True. It's dark. It, it's been so long since I've actually seen Peter Pan. Here's one. It's a short one because there's not much meat to it, but it infuriated me just that anybody has put thought into this. Gaston killed Bambi's mother. 
I've heard of that one. The support being there are deer on the wall in the lodge. Gaston is shown to be a skilled hunter, and you never see the hunter that killed Bambi's mother. Oh, and a deer appears in the forest in Beauty and the Beast. That's all the evidence, and it pissed me off. If your evidence is that there's a deer in a forest, okay, that would be weird if there wasn't. For real. Or we never see the who killed Bambi's mother. Thanos could have killed Bambi's mother. That's my theory. Thanos snapped Bambi's mother. Okay. Or Groot. It might have been Groot. Actually, Rocket is probably more likely than Groot. But yeah, we never saw who did it. It could literally be anybody. I just, oh. You are so mad about this. I am. There's no evidence to this theory. Therefore, it supports my theory. Like, what? They got to place it somehow. They got to put blame on somebody. And Gaston was a dick. I guess. And only dicks kill pretty nice deer. Okay, I liked Gaston. When I was a kid, he's such a douche. I know. At the time that movie was released, I don't know if anyone was being called a douche yet, but he was a douche. Yeah, he was. So what's your next one? So this is still kind of like really sad. And I liked this movie, even though I've only seen it once because I'm an emotional wreck half the time. So like, I don't like watching sad movies, but for those who have seen the movie Up, Uh, the main character's name is Carl, and he's actually been dead the entire movie. So, like, the movie shows, like, him being young, and he meets his wife and their life together, and it ends sadly, but they had a long, long life together, and- What? For anybody who hasn't seen it, you see this over the course of just the first few minutes yeah, of the this movie. Yeah, this is literally how they open the fucking movie. You just see their entire life where the, from them falling in love as children to growing old together and her dying. This movie should be called Life's Not Fair. <laughs> it, it, it was really, like, it really set you up. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. So he turns into a grumpy old man and then dies of old age by himself. Yeah, in the theory. <laughs> in the theory. And the entire rest of the movie is his trip to paradise, which is him lifting his house in balloons. Mm-hmm. The little boy in the movie, his name is Russell, and he's a little boy scout or cub scout, whatever he's called in the movie, and he's earning his badges. And the theory is he's earning his wings. See, I prefer if we're going to have this theory that's dark, let's make it darker. He's not an angel. This is just some random dead kid who's stuck with a crotchety old man in the afterlife. Okay, I'm down. The other part is the antagonist of the movie is named Charles Muniz, I'm going to guess. Man, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. I don't even remember this bad guy. M-U-N-T-Z. Months? Yeah, let's go with months. (laughs) Is a fallen angel trying to drag Carl to hell with his hellhounds, which are all the dogs that he has in the movie. (laughs) How fucked up is that? A lot of these theories are dark. Is that all you had to say on that one? Yeah. You have any more? No. Okay. This one just came to mind. I was watching a whole video on these theories earlier today. The prince in Snow White mm-hmm. is death. Go on. So when Snow White bites into the poison apple, mm-hmm. it actually kills her. Okay. And when the prince comes for her, it's him taking her to the afterlife. Ooh. And they ride off on a white horse and the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the rider on the pale horse is death. Holy shit. I have never even heard that. That's good. That's a good one. Yeah. It's again, it's dark. I think that's what I love about these is it takes something so innocent as Disney and it just tries to make it as dark as Can possible. Can we just say that Disney is all happy fucking joy and it's got like the darkest fucking background? Disney you think of as so squeaky clean and very controlled, like they're on top of their brand. Every single princess almost has fucking dead mothers. Yeah, there's always something tragic under Underlying these stories, and yet it's let's bring out the Disney videos for the kids. Let's take some more trauma out of the Disney vault this year. Whatever. <laughs> that vault pisses me off. I've always found it stupid. Buy it now before it goes back in the Disney vault. This isn't an actual vault. You don't have a Jeez. giant like bank vault that you're just unlocking every few years to take another disc or whatever out. I remember like in like seeing old VHSs and DVDs eventually of like one that sticks out in my mind is the 101 Dalmatians. Mm. 
because they released like a platinum edition of it and i was like get it now and it was like a pre-movie commercial we'll add that to the list of things that grind my gears yes oh those are really good i did not know about that snow white one that got me yeah one weird thing in recent years is like just how much stuff disney's bought that you don't associate necessarily with disney the marvel movies they're great most of them are mostly kid friendly yeah avengers endgame infinity war got a little dark might be a little heavy for kids i love now that they bought fox too deadpool's now my favorite disney princess you know who's my favorite disney princess yeah dr frankenfurter because it's fox Uh, rocky horror picture show is a fox movie and dr frankenfurter is my favorite disney princess i've never seen rocky horror I hate you. I'm kidding. That hurts. Aww. It hurts because I know it's true. <laughs> I believed it. The, the way you delivered it is just so hurtful. Oh, uh, tears. I hate you so much. I let you come to my house every week to record an episode. Hey, how many times have you told me to get out in the middle of an episode? Mm. I'm surprised you didn't tell me to get out when I said I have never seen Raggedy Or Yeah, get out. Get the fuck out. That is honestly surprising that you haven't seen it because you're a movie buff anyways. I I feel like I probably should have seen it just because I do appreciate kind of film history. I know that's so well known. Tim Curry is. Yes. And Tim Curry. I fucking love Tim Curry. Which I think my introduction to Tim Curry was probably Muppet Treasure Island. That's so random. Yeah. But it just seems like a weird movie. I don't really think it's my type. I'm hit and miss on musicals. I don't hate musicals. Rent is amazing. I'm looking forward to Cats. Ooh, Cats is coming (laughs) to the the fabulous spa. Well, I was talking about the movie. I know, but I was just putting that out there. I don't know. It just seems a little flamboyant for me. Great movie. Yeah, I know. It's long. A friend and his girlfriend went to see it. And I just remember him almost being shell-shocked. Just like, uh, that was weird. See, I, I've been to several of them and people dress up. And in the recent years, people have been handing out bags with stuff. Like, you're supposed, it's an interactive movie. Like, when it's being put on live, it's interactive. That does not sound at, appealing to me. And at certain spots, you yell things at it and... You throw things and you get up and dance. It, it's fun to mm. me. It also reminds me of, I used to be really into the Drew Carey show when I was in high school. And there was an episode where they went to see it dressed as the characters. But then they ran into another group of people that were going to the theater to see some, I think it was Priscilla, Queen of the Desert Sun, some other like drag movie. Mm-hmm. And they got into like a musical fight. So it was like, it was a musical scene, almost like a mashup where each side was singing. Once I was singing the time warp and they were singing a song from that movie <gasps> and they were going back and forth and almost fighting with their songs. That was pretty cool. God, it's West Side Story all over again. <laughs> but yeah, going back to Disney, they say they're making another Deadpool at Disney. They fucking better. I cannot imagine that character under Disney's roof. At the same time, I can definitely see Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool having some fun with... Me too. Yeah. I could see them maybe even doing the start of the movie as G-friendly as possible. They did do the re-release, like the Christmas one last year where they edited it to make it like kid-friendly. Yeah. I actually haven't seen that one. I haven't either. I probably should as much as I love Deadpool. I would love them to maybe do the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of Deadpool 3 and make it seem as if they've just watered it down. And then from that point, flip a switch, make some commentary like Deadpool likes to, and then it's just balls to the wall hard for the rest of that movie. I fucking hope so. That would be great. It would be. Or even just unnecessarily censored the whole movie (laughs) like have you seen those bits where they take completely innocent news stories and censor them i want to say it was jimmy kimmel did just unnecessary censoring when they just bleep it and then when you bleep it it makes it sound filthy because yes that would be great if they yes just bleep the hell out of that movie it would be so much bleep, funnier bleep than... unnecessary words and when he actually says like oh fuck this and, oh yeah and it's not censored why are we not writing deadpool 3 i don't fucking know that should be an episode dan and emily write deadpool 3 4 5 
Deadpool 6, Deadpool versus Moonwalker. Do it. <laughs> Comes after Deadpool 4, but before Deadpool 5. I'm down. Okay. On that note, you want to take us into Urban Dictionary to wrap up the show? All right. I've got three for you bitches this week. Ooh. Am I guessing again? Sure. Okay. I'll leave the one that you already know. Yeah. Save that one for last because I do know one of them. Helicoptering. Helicoptering. Mm. I'm assuming it's not like helicopter parenting. What does that mean? It's the parents that won't let their kids have any independence. They have to do everything oh, for them. They're hov- just hovering, hovering around. Okay. Yeah. No, definitely not. Okay. Uh, Ready for me to tell you? No. Okay. I have a guess. It will not be what you're <laughs> describing, but it's my best guess. Go for it. Okay. So it's when a couple's having sex, guy's on top, and he stretches out all four limbs, like across, and then he does his best to spin. <laughs> That would be impressive. <laughs> He'd rip his dick off. But <laughs> well, maybe like gives himself a little push with his foot. <laughs> he makes, makes the noises. If he can make one full rotation. He wins. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not exactly that, but the act of spinning one's dick around in a circular fashion. Helicopter noise are optional and can enhance the experience. I was closer than I expected. (laughs) Normally when helicopters get brought up, it makes me think of like 80s action movies, getting the choppa. Getting the choppa. That's probably not a sentence that should ever be used when a dick is involved. No. Nobody ever wants their dick in the chopper. (laughs) Definitely not. So what's the usage for this? (laughs) one time i was helicoptering in the shower and my dick slapped me in the nuts hashtag penis (laughs) that's on you (laughs) you're screwing around in the shower man it's a sensitive area you should know this already don't play around every man knows it's very easy to accidentally just knock yourself on things knock yourself with things don't invite it no play safe that's all I'm saying. You ready for number two? Yeah. <laughs> Not something that should ever be said in the bedroom. Are you ready for number two? <laughs> no, you take that shit in the other room. Literally. Yes, literally. You take that shit in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, so this one's called Holder. Okay. You want to guess? Oh, I me to tell you. I forgot we were playing that game. <laughs> Holder. H-O-L-D-E-R. <laughs> um, I got nothing. I think it's funny because it literally involves number two. God, no. <laughs> Are you taking a shit in your hand? <laughs> no, just just let me read it. Somebody who doesn't like to hear their poop hit the toilet water, so they wrap their hands in toilet paper and poops in their hand, avoiding the noise. Useful at parties, friends' house, or crowded houses. <laughs> so eventually you have to put it in the toilet. I want to imagine, like, you got all this toilet paper in your hands. Are you setting it down, swaddled, almost like baby Moses being placed into the river? (laughs) Go on, sweet child. (laughs) You just gently place it into the water, give it a little push. (laughs) Did I break you? I broke you. No, because I can hear... um... I have this image in my head <laughs> where it's like you're, <laughs> you're setting it in the water. And um, who's the guy that made the songs for like Tarzan? Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would make it better. So Phil Collins just starts up in the background. And you're just like paying memorial to this giant fucking turn. What's that one song? It's like, you'll be in my heart. You'll be in my heart. Great way to bring it back to Disney. Yeah. The deleted Disney scene from Tarzan. Tarzan just taking a shit in his hand, placing it in the river. while Phil this, Collins play. I had this image, and I think it's from the movie like Prince of Egypt. That's what I'm thinking of. That's <laughs> and like he gets sent down the yeah sent yeah. down the river. 
and they find him. It's just like this swaddled tear. Like, what the fuck? Like, the sewer gators. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> For some reason, now that we're talking about sending him down the river, I'm picturing Moses as Huck Finn. <laughs> just. For no reason, Moses just has a straw hat and a raft. <laughs> we gotta stop because we get too many images in my head. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like. Oh, <laughs> God, no. <laughs> like, that's the hat. Yeah, I'm, oh, nope, that's. I'm editing somewhere in front of that. Nope. <laughs> and what you don't realize is I just bleeped that in editing. Like that is some necessary bleeping that's gonna be in this episode. Cause it'll be funny. But people don't need that image in their head. It's in my head, it's Sorry, fuckers. It's in your head now, too. No, it's not, because all I heard was bleep, 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 bleep. Um, <laughs> oh, God. So we're going to wrap this up with our last one, and I thought it was amusing. Yeah, I, I won't be guessing since you already told me about this one. So this one's called Russian Morning. Wait, can I guess? <laughs> Even though I know it, no. can I come up with my own ridiculous one? Okay, so since Dan already knows this, you go ahead and come up with your A own. A new definition for Russian morning. And it's spelled morning like M-O-R-N-I-N-G, like the morning. Well, I'm going with the other morning. <laughs> <laughs> It's when you plan a funeral and everybody shows up, you dig the grave, but you don't have the body yet. So then you get out a pistol and you put one bullet in and you each stand at the foot of the grave and you play Russian roulette until you have somebody in the grave and then you proceed with the funeral. That's Russian morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Am I close? Nope. So Russian morning, the act of getting up at three in the morning, putting the cereal of your choice in a bowl, pouring vodka and milk in it. Eating it, drinking the rest of the vodka, you get dressed, drunk off your ass, and go to work in the shittiest clothes you have with no coat in the cold weather, and you come home after finding out it's Sunday. I would laugh at that, but I am offended on behalf of any potential Russian listeners. I don't know why you would be so horrible and besmirch <laughs> Russian pride that way. Get the fuck out. <laughs> I don't understand. Why are you being so harsh? Get the fuck out. And I'm keeping your bottle of vodka. Do you still have my bottle of vodka? No, I think I gave it away. I was going to say, it's been over a year. There's no reason for you to have my bottle of vodka. Yeah, so the joke being, Emily asked me before the show whether that would be too offensive to Russian people to say. But yeah, that's I think that'll wrap up the show. Thanks for listening. Please share the show with anybody you think would love it. We'd also appreciate any star ratings or reviews from our Apple listeners. And as always, you can find us at Micah Jagger's Podcast on Facebook. Leave a comment. If you have any Disney theories this week, let us know. We'll read them. We love hearing from you guys and always want to know your opinions on what we should and shouldn't do on our show. Let us know who your favorite Disney princess is. Oh, yeah. If it's not Deadpool, I'm a little disappointed in you, but well, whatever. You, you receive what you get. <laughs> okay. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia.